for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon, live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Clock hour, just watching the highlights. Boy, that was a hell of a football game. We got a good yeah. one now. 185 days away from the Hall of Fame game. Buck 85, is that what you said? 185. We need, we need a calendar go- in yeah, here. Yeah, countdown clock. Right. I'm in. Uh, hopefully it'll go by quickly. I'm it sure it will. Should. It always does, right? Look, pitchers and catchers are a couple of weeks away. I know that doesn't move everybody's needle, but it certainly does the two hosts that you're currently listening to. Uh, as Trent and I take you up until noon. All right, uh, Nick Athens going to join us in about 10, 12 minutes, uh, somewhere around there, primetimesportstalk.com. Alex Halstead, uh, Cyclone Alert 24-7 Sports at about 1140 on Iowa State. So we go back to yesterday when we were talking about the Hawks and the end of the basketball game from yesterday. I thought Ron Coleman, assistant coach for Illinois, made a fool of himself in the handshake line. I get it. Look, it was emotional. It's, uh, you know, everybody's emotions were uh, at, at the peak at that point, but I, I don't know what Iowa did wrong. I really don't. I thought the officials um, clearly could have called a couple of fouls at the end. I'm not sure which one of the uh, Illinois players was hacking at Connor McCaffrey. Do you remember? Was it was it, DeSumo. Was it DeSumo? Yeah. Um, he went for the ball the first time, and these were just taps. <laughs> This was like this he was, was yeah this was absolutely and then got him on the body and the refs just let the um, you know didn't call a foul game was settled but then it gets a little spirit in the handshake line so after the game uh, Connor McCaffrey meets some of the media and is asked about the end of it and apparently didn't hold back I'm anxious to hear it the ref still doesn't call anything but we're good like I didn't didn't say anything to Io. He didn't say anything to me. I'm walking to the bench, and then Eid starts talking to me. I'm like, "Yo, you gotta call that. Like, if you want, if you don't want this to happen, you gotta call that those foul. Like, they're fouling. Fine. If they want to foul down seven or four seconds, that's fine. We'll go make free throws, and this will all be diffused. But if you don't call it, then this is what's gonna happen. And that's what I said to him, and I was screaming that at him the whole time. And he just wants to be like, "Oh, it's the same thing. Last year we put out of state, same ref, same thing. Like, I don't know what he's trying to prove by not calling anything there. Unfortunate, um, but." You know, I guess that's I guess that's what ended up happening. Um, if, if they, like I said, you know, if they want to play like that, you got to officiate all the way to the end. And so that's why I think that's why I think happened. I think he's right, Trent. Yes. I have no problem with what he said. I assume the Big Ten will. Oh, absolutely. Uh-huh. I mean, they won't publicly reprimand him. I wouldn't think it would rise to that level, but something will be said. There's no doubt. There will be a conversation. I'm sure with Connor, and I'm sure. Fran probably won't handle it very well. And this is maybe the sticky point of having your son play for you is I love Connor. And isn't it so weird just hearing his voice, mm-hmm. how much like Fran yeah. it is right? in terms of just uh-huh. the pacing and everything else that goes along with it. He is, he's a smart ass too. Yeah, I, I, I got really a bunch enjoy of this guy. You, you know how much, even last year, go back to before he got mono his freshman year and you know, that game against Colorado. I was up in Sioux Falls for that one covering the game and, and just how important he is. Mm-hmm. I get it. He's not a great shooter. He's shooting the ball okay. 33% from three, 36% in Big Ten play. And if he still does that with everything else he does, mm. 
He's a really important basketball player. He can play point. When Toussaint, he had a couple of awful yeah, turnovers. Yeah, he did. He looked like a freshman a couple of times yesterday. And what do they do? They go to Connor. Mm-hmm. And if Toussaint's in there, then he can play the three. He can play the four. And he can guard different positions. He is so important to what this Iowa team does. He's not a great shooter. Look past that. Look no, but when he does that. make a couple of shots, I mean, oh, look, yeah. those that th- his final three yesterday was just massive mm-hmm. uh, in the basketball game. Look, he, he said what needed to be said, and I remember Eads kind of walking, walking him, escorting him off the floor to back toward the handshake line, and he, I'm glad it wasn't Desomo that was uh, you know was barking back at him because um, that could have you know that could have got even even worse. But no Fran McCaffrey handled it well, and then you, you jump on Twitter right, and it's a cesspool a lot of times, right? I look, and, and at the same time, I get that those people didn't see the game, and they see Fran McCaffrey involved in stuff. Here he right? is again. The reputation precedes him. He comes by it honestly. I get it. But for the, not about the first time, but certainly yesterday, um, he was the grown-up in the room, or certainly in the handshake line. You know, and it's so crazy, that national perception. I was listening to Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander uh, from CBS, their podcast, and they were talking about it, and that's exactly what it was. They... They saw the highlights of it. They weren't watching till the end. It went over, and they're probably flipping to another game that they were, you know, watching in college basketball. And then you just see that. So, so let me stop you there. Yeah. What game could have been better? Well, the than... end of the Georgetown St. John's. Oh, game. was it good? Yes, I came down to the end. All right, I, I was also on that one. So that's I was doing the same thing. Okay. But uh, St. John's blew a big lead at MSG, and Georgetown came back. Yeah, I got the Illinois victory. Iowa was tremendous. It was. It really was, and that game was really entertaining too. On uh, that was on big CBS, by the way. Oh, was it St. John's? Yeah, Georgetown. How about, how about ABC? Did you see what Oklahoma, they... Oklahoma yes. State? I mean, it felt like the old days when we got the Big 12 Plus and you had the weekend right. games that were on ABC5. Because, I mean, maybe ABC's had other games this year. They had. There have was they? one other, I think it was an ACC game maybe was a it? week ago, and it wasn't a very good one either. And I thought, ABC's putting up Oklahoma and Oklahoma State? They must have got last pick. Right, that's a swing and a miss there. Oh, boy, that was a stinker. Well, anyway, look, I, I, don't, I didn't see it, so I can't really. But on the surface, two teams at the bottom of the Big 12, that that's what you're putting on uh, ABC. But back to Connor McCaffrey at the end of it. Um, it it's on the officials. Mm-hmm. It's on the officials. And you know what? If you've got two guys running after you and Connor McCaffrey throws the ball over the top and he's, he's Wieskamp on the, on the run and he's got two guys chasing him to the basket who are going to foul him, dunk the basketball. It's not like it was a windmill jam. No. It, it was it, two hands. And they weren't up 20. Right. Remember, this is an Iowa team that blew an 11-point lead with Precisely. a minute to go last year against Precisely. Nebraska. Now, he let out a little bit of a shriek or his, after the game, but it didn't do it in front of the Illinois bench. He did it in front of the fans. Yes, exactly. If that's what's Way going to rile you top. up, if that's enough for you mm-hmm. to verbally assault Fran McCaffrey in the line, Fran. Yeah, his, uh, I mean, I'm just reading lips here, but what he said as he's walking away, yeah, like this, we're out of here. <laughs> yeah, well, you missed a couple of words, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you did. That was, the, uh, it's it's Fred, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I've said this before. I don't understand why this fan base, why they just don't wrap their arms around him and say. I've talked about it with Connor, but same thing with Fran. This basketball program was awful, mm-hmm. terrible. It's perception Fran nationally. fades, maybe? Does that have anything to that do with That has something to do with it. Hasn't got to the second weekend. Hasn't got to the semifinals mm-hmm. of the Big Ten tournament. But look at it in its totality. This is a guy out there fighting. He's had a big run, Trent. A and long now run. he's got a team that's fighting with him. Yep. For the first time in a... And that maybe isn't fair to some There's of more the talented teams. teams that he's had. Absolutely. But this, this team... Right. More skill, not mm-hmm. more will. There you We're go. We're seeing a lot of will on this basketball team. All right. Nick Athens coming up. 
We'll go back to the Super Bowl with Nick uh, coming up here in about five minutes or so. But right now it's time to help pay your bills with iHeartRadio, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Text the keyword BALL to 200-200. Right now that's your chance to win $1,000. BALL to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Uh, Nick Athen, PrimetimeSportsTalk.com, joins the program next. A little more Super Bowl conversation. Alex Halstead on Iowa State still to come. Miller and Condon until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Or today. Kicks Noah now on 106.3 FM. Nick Athen, joins the program. He'll do so on behalf of Chiefs Kingdom. He'll speak for all of them. How are you, Nick Athen? I know how you are. What a great feeling uh, to experience. Been a long time, worth the wait, and uh, boy, boy, pretty sweet, I bet. I mean, there's really no words. You know, I, I was telling Trent before. I kind of, I woke up in the middle of the night and turned my DVR on and watched the fourth quarter again just to make sure it really happened. I mean, after after 50 years and the flood of memories and the flood of people that are still with us who aren't with us and mm-hmm. the, all the players that tried hard and the coaches and just being around this team basically my entire life. Um, it it took me a while, about an hour. I shed a few tears. You know, uh, wish my dad was here and just yep. just enjoyed it. And and, I, and as I told you, you know, I was going to spend these two weeks just enjoying the process. And and I think I, I told you I, I really wasn't worried about this even when they were down. My wife looked at me and goes, "You know, you are so calm." I said, "They got this." <laughs> and I just had a feeling, and um, I, it it was it was one of the best best nights of my life. It's awesome, and to to see the emotion and. The Chiefs people that I know in my life and what they have gone through. You mentioned the 50 years and the heartache. And one thing that I brought up to Ken, this is not, we're not talking about a misfit organization. This isn't the Jets that just seemingly year after year is mismanaged. There's been lean years, no doubt. They had a couple of 2 and 14 years within the last 15. But this has been a good organization. And not just to think back, to never have that breakthrough moment and finally have it happen here. A lot of heartache in there and a lot of good teams that went by the wayside. Yeah, you know, it really made me put in perspective. You know, like they put a picture of Marty Schottenheimer up, you know, last night. And, mm. and, you know, I mean, I know he's dealing with Alzheimer's and, you know, he doesn't remember a lot of the things that happened, but he was one of the best regular season coaches. Yep. And he just, he just couldn't get it, you know, but he never had a talent, you know, like, like Andy Reid has and Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, and you look at, uh, you know, the old mentor, Hank Stram, I mean, he had a phenomenal group of people. You know, and some of the other coaches, you know, I think Herm Edwards gave it his best. I think the, the whole Todd Haley, Scott Chile thing is kind of one of those. It's like the, it's like the lost seasons of Dallas. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you just forget about it. Right. You just move on from it. But, you know, those are things that had to happen for this Chiefs team to evolve. And uh, But so many players, you know, Derek Thomas, you know, Joe Delaney, uh, guys like Neil Smith, um, Nick Lowry. I mean, friends of mine, guys that I just think here and go, hey, you know, I wish they were all there. I'm glad they experienced it, you know, and just to watch it all unfold was just absolutely amazing. But, but again, you're right. I mean, it's, it's not like this was a Cleveland Browns situation, you know. It's not like they had bad ownership. But they had some bad years, uh, which got them to Andy Reid, and it took a long time to clean up the mess, you know, from Pioli and, and from Brent Beach to clean up the mess, you know, from John Dorsey that he left on the cap. 
Uh, but they figured it all out. They found a gem in Patrick Mahomes. And I kept telling people, you know what, this kid's going to rewrite the script. Um, and we're going to forget about this. And none of that stuff matters anymore. We are Super Bowl champs again. You know, for the for the next couple of years, I think the Chiefs are going to be 50-50 bets to get to the mm-hmm. Super Bowl again. Um, you know, they've got everything in place. Um, and, and, and the franchise and the fans, they were absolutely, without a doubt, rewarded. And I have heard from people. I think my phone was going off until 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> I mean, it's just everybody's jubilant. Um, we need to enjoy this. We need to savor it. I think we respect everything and everyone who helped get to this point. But last night's game was just something that, you know, I watched with my kids and I'm never going to forget. No, I guess you're not. It was a, and it was a terrific football game, Nick. And that, that's the beauty yeah. of it, right? It was a, mm-hmm. and it, to, to win it the way that the Chiefs did when it looked like it, look, I, I thought they were beat, Nick. I really and truly did. After the, after the completion to Hill was overturned and Troy Aikman literally just got out of his mouth that how poorly Patrick Mahomes is playing and that's the easiest pass mm-hmm. he's ever going to throw. And if he can't make uh, that throw something and yeah. then the very next Next play, right? Down the field, 44 yards to Tyreek Hill, and the game was essentially over. Yeah, the Wasp, you know, the, the Wasp, the, right? The yep. 65, 65 times power trap. I mean, it's going to be the Wasp. Yeah. And uh, it'll be a play that'll be, in, you know, infamy. I mean, it changed the game. I mean, you could see the San Francisco 49ers were, they knew it. They had them. Knew it. Once yeah. That, yeah. Once that, once that was done. And then, you know, uh, you know, some bad coaching by Shanahan at the end of the first half helped. Um, you know, obviously. I don't think he trusted second. Garoppolo, uh, Nick. I, I think no. it was all about he didn't trust his quarterback. Clearly, clearly. And it was second and five, and they, they ran. They, did, yes. they didn't run the ball again. Uh, they basically virtually only ran a couple more times thereafter. Um, but, you know, uh, you just you looked at Patrick, and, you know, something he said, I think it was last night, he said, you know, I wasn't upset that I threw the interception. I was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think I've ever heard that from any athlete. You know, outside of being in trouble or doing something stupid. You know, he just was embarrassed to walk to the sidelines that he had just done that twice, you know, which he hadn't thrown an interception in the postseason. So what does he do? He throws the worst pass of his career, and then he throws one of the best passes of his career play later. And that's what makes him so special. And when that happens, and, and, you know, Kelsey caught that touchdown. I'm thinking they're going to win this game. And the defense stepped up in the fourth quarter. You know, I was I was on Frank Clark the entire game. You know, when he had to make a play, he got that sack of Jimmy G, you know, on that fourth down. Um, and, and, and that was it. And then uh, the guy I picked to, to have the best game, Damian Williams, mm-hmm. um, came in and got another touchdown. And, and uh, you know, it just – it all worked. But I don't think – I mean, I just didn't have any doubt. I, there, I wasn't nervous. There was no trepidation. You know, my son was jumping up and down, freaking out my oldest. And, you know, he's sitting there cussing and, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, just calm down. And Emily looks at me like, what are you doing, man? You're usually up bombing all over the place. But you just knew. I mean, there were too many Kiwis involved uh, for this not to happen. And it, it, I'm glad it happened the way it did because that just made it all something more fitting. Patrick Mahomes gets named MVP. He's the quarterback. He gets the benefit of the doubt. But... I think there's a couple other places he could go. Certainly Damien Williams, even keeping them yeah. in that game at 20-10. to 10. And on the other side, what about Chris Jones? I'm sure at least a few of the votes had to go to him. Yeah, I would think so, too. I mean, he really stepped up in a couple of batted balls. Those were huge. Pressure in on the interception. And I really thought that that was, uh, you know, those were keys to the game as well. I mean, I, I, Williams, to me, should have gotten it. Yeah, but, you me know, too. They wanted their, they wanted their, uh, their guy. 
uh, to be in Disneyland. I mean, and Patrick Mahomes is now the number one most marketable NFL player, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and that was it. He's the face of the league, Nick. He's the face of the league at, yeah, at tw- twenty-four years of old, which is which is crazy thing. I thought Sammy Watkins could have got some, you know, uh, others receiving votes type of thing. Yeah. Sammy Watkins, he had a yeah. big, big impact on that football game. He's he's Mister Postseason. I mean, yeah. he, he 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 did it last year. He did it this year. Everybody was complaining about his salary. Now, here's a guy who's a former number one pick. He was a former number one pick. Um, he's the third or fourth option in this offense. Mm-hmm. and uh, he doesn't care. And that's a testament to Andy Reid. That's a testament to his makeup. Yeah, he's making a lot of money, and yes, he's going to have to restructure his contract, uh, but he's probably their most val- one of their most valuable offensive performers, and he steps up. I mean, that play you know, was just brilliant, and he made some tough catches, and just think about some of the tough catches that he made you know, in the, in the Titans game, you know, some passes that he hadn't even turned around yet, and the ball's there, and he grabbed it. I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete. You know, he's a very spiritual person. Uh, he loves Andy Reid. Um, he, he appreciates what the Chiefs organization did for him. And uh, I, I just think that they're a, they're a match made in heaven. And I hope, uh, and I think they will work out a, a, an extension to soften his $19 million cap hit next year. So This year. Here we are already. Yeah, <laughs> here it is. 2020, and Veach has got a lot on his plate going forward with uh, with this team. want to get your perspective on this. Andy Reid a guy that certainly has had a lot of detractors, not just what's happened in NFC and AFC championship games, but late-game decision-making has been questioned with him a lot. Now, this wasn't late-game. It was early-game, but the decision after Mahomes fumbled it out of bounds on fourth and one to go for it, and then the play... Going old school, single wing, I just the the guys in motion, all three of them moving over, and then they go with the snap to the running back. It just those kind of concepts that have always been a part. But past Andy Reid, he doesn't go for it there on fourth and one. No, I mean I I was a little shocked that they went for it. Me too. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, I I I can see why they did it. It made a lot of sense, um, you know. But on the on the flip side, there's a lot to lose, and then you do that gimmick play. Um, and it worked out pretty well, you know, for them. They didn't really have a uh, – they executed it similar to what they did in New England. And, uh, you know, it was a perfect call. And, and uh, you know, I think he realized that some things weren't going well and uh, they needed to score a touchdown there. And uh, that, that was a terrific call. How about a direct snap to the tight end at one point in the football game? <laughs> yeah, Kelsey on yeah. a fourth down. I think that – or certainly a short yardage play might have been a fourth down. Right, yeah, that down. play you were talking yeah. about uh, that uh, scored their first touchdown – um, apparently that came from the 1948 Rose Bowl. Eric Bieniemy was watching tape of the 1948 Rose Bowl, uh, and Michigan yeah. apparently ran it in a. Uh, uh, apparently they played USC, which um, you know neither here nor there. But that's where that's where that right. thing came from. You know, Nick, of all the Iowa guys, and there were a bunch of them on both sides of the football. I thought Ben Neiman had a major impact in that game when he came on a delayed blitz and just lit Garoppolo up. Um, that yeah. was huge. He made a big special teams play just prior to that. Ben Neiman, kind of um, you know one of those under the radar guys that stepped up when it counted. He was terrific. I mean, he made up for some of the bad play of Daniel Thornton. I mean, he just he just made plays. There were a couple others. He he he. I think he almost tipped a pass. He he got in the passing lane at another time. Um, you know, made a couple of good hits. I mean, he was terrific. Uh, by far his best game of, the, of his young career. Uh, and, uh, you know, everybody up there should be really proud of him. But he played really strong, made a couple of key plays. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, a lot of guys stepped up. You know, it wasn't just one guy that took over defensively. I mean, that was the, 
you know, all we talked about was the 49ers defense and how cohesive they are and how well they work together. But despite some of the struggles, especially in the second and third quarter defensively, this team never panicked. And then, you know, Tyron Matthew, and he just lit him up. Mm-hmm. And he lit up he his did. head coach. And he went right to Andy Reid and said, hey, we got this. Just just don't worry. Just we got this. We got this. And he fired everybody up. And that fourth quarter, if you look at the overall dominance of that fourth quarter, special teams, offense, defense, um, I, I argue to say that I, I don't remember a more dominant quarter that I've seen in the Super Bowl in a really, really long time. Maybe, maybe the Doug Williams Super Bowl. You know, we had four touchdowns in that one quarter. Now, why are you doing uh, that? But, now, why are you doing that? I'm sorry. I'm, not, I'm looking strictly at the moment. I'm not looking at who they played, okay? okay. <laughs> Listen, you, you beat us enough. I don't yeah. want to hear it. All right. <laughs> hey, we'll get you out on this. I'll look forward. We mentioned Brett Veach and what's in front of him about mm-hmm. building this roster and the money that's going to be commanded, right. certainly for Patrick Mahomes. This offseason, for the here and now, what are you looking to? What is, needs to be done for the 2020 Kansas City Chiefs? Well, I think I think I think three things are going to happen. I, I think they will get a deal done with Chris Jones, especially now. Uh, Rashad Breeland is is a guy I think they're going to get signed long term. Mm-hmm. I, I do not expect the Patrick Mahomes contract is going to get done probably until sometime next this season, probably October November. There's really no rush. Um, they pretty much have the parameters in place, but we don't know what the new CBA agreement is going to be. I, I suppose that they're voting on it today. Um, so there could be an announcement. If, if the players union can accept the 17 games, yeah. then there's going to be a whole lot of extra money thrown around because that is another week of TV money coming from the network. Um, and if the rumors are true that the NFL may take the uh, direct TV package in-house, um, then you're talking about creating even more revenue. Mm. So with that said, depending on how the cap goes, I think Chris Jones, Breland, I've, I've already heard that Terrell Suggs wants to come back one more year. Probably not going to be too expensive. Probably a good idea because I think he made probably the biggest impact next to Matthew um, in the in the locker room and in the meeting room for the last few weeks. Um, I don't think the Chiefs are going to forget that. Um, and then just kind of set the table, you know, restructure some contracts. I think they'll be aggressive in free agency. I think they're probably going to shore up the interior of their offensive line a little bit. I think they need to. Um, I think they, they may need to look at center and guard in free agency. Um, I think they're going to add another wide receiver. Um, and they're definitely going to get a running back. So, I mean, I think those are things to look out for. But right now it's, it's managing the cap, um, working on these deals with the agents in advance, uh, making sure they have enough money. Because remember, they got 23 or $26 million in carryover money. Um, so they could have upwards of 45 to $50 million if they restructure some contracts that will afford them to be able to uh, find Chris Jones and put the parameters in place for a Patrick Mahomes mega deal, which I'm told – is going to be over the $40 million mark. Crazy. Well, uh, Damian Williams, they've found the running back, certainly in the playoffs. It was yep. an unbelievable uh, postseason out of him. If they get another comp- a complimentary piece to go along with him, look out. Nick, listen, uh, sincerely, as I said to you yesterday, congratulations uh, on the Chiefs uh, finally getting that monkey, that 50-year monkey off their collective backs and um, being able to bring one home for Chiefs Kingdom. Happy for you and the fan base, Nick. Thank you for what you did for us all season long. We'll talk as the sure you know the combine and the draft. There's always off season stuff, and uh, we look forward to uh, reaching it. out to you again. Thank you, Nick. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Everybody up there, enjoy the party, and uh, let's do it again this year. Or maybe not. <laughs> thanks, Nick. Take care, pal. Good to talk to you, Nick Athens. They'll be doing it again a few more times. Feels that way. It, does, it? certainly does. Yeah, it really and truly does. All right, so we'll take a time out. Time to talk Iowa State. Uh, Alex Halstead. 
CycloneAlert.com, 24-7 Sports, will join us next as Miller and Condon take you until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106. Across the state. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM. Next guest has Steve Prohm in 21 minutes, so we won't keep him uh, more than 10 minutes or so. Alex Halstead. CycloneAlert.com, 24-7 sports. We'll get into the basketball uh, from uh, over the weekend as the uh, clones fall in Austin. Uh, but a big recruiting weekend football-wise uh, for the 2021 class is concerned. Uh, and Alex Halstead, who does a terrific job following all the recruiting at Iowa State, both basketball and football, he joins the program. Alex, Trent, Ken, thanks for coming on. Big weekend. Uh, what were, um, you know, one or two of the highlights in your mind uh, when it comes to Iowa with state and what business potentially got done and what may happen uh here uh going forward yeah good to be on with you guys and uh yeah recruiting is really picking up now for iowa state and it's, it's interesting because the second signing period comes wednesday for the 2020 recruiting class but uh schools really at this point as long as you have a uh, kind of the same head coach and everything through the cycle um you're really moving on to 2021 and that's the case last week in iowa state had quite close to 10 visitors in town this last weekend uh this saturday uh, they had 15, I would say, or so uh, big targets in town. And that was kind of the big thing of this weekend is, is a lot of big targets. And uh, you had a couple of top 247 prospects, including, um, you know, West or sorry, Eastern Iowa, top 247 defensive end, uh, TJ Bowlers. And uh, kind of he was probably one of the highlights, one, because he's in town. And two, he told me after the visit, he's already scheduled official visits to Iowa State and Cal for June and his other three official visits he thinks are going to be um, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Washington. So uh, Iowa State right in the mix for him, and he'd be the second highest rated uh, commit you know, all time for Iowa State behind only Alan Lazard if they can wow. eventually secure him probably this summer. So he's probably the highlight, but you also look around the state of Iowa and you know, a guy like Brody Braxton, Ankeny, and uh, they landed a commitment from Dodge uh, Saucer and, and Grinnell, who's another in-state guy. So they had a lot of their top priorities in town, and, and I think that's probably the biggest news for them is they get them in town now and then hope through the spring and summer they can secure some some of the those prospects uh, with commitments. You mentioned T.J. Bowlers. His dad played at the University of Iowa. He was a Hawkeye, Trevor Bowlers. Yet I was reading through your article. I didn't see any mention of Iowa. Is there something going on there? I, there's rumblings, at least, over, I've heard, in Iowa City. On the other side of the state, you'd figure a legacy recruit like A.J. Epinesa, he'd be there front and center, but didn't mention Iowa in your article. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, and I didn't necessarily even – or try to ask him about his visits. You know, I just said, you know, do you think you'll start taking your visits in the spring and summer? And he said, yeah, I've got two scheduled, one to uh, Cal, um, which is going to be June 15th through 17th, and one to Iowa State, which is going to be, um, you know, right around then, too. I might have those dates fixed up, but they're both going to be consecutive weeks in June. And then he said, I'm ready to tell you my other ones, and they're going to be Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Washington. So mm-hmm. I was a little surprised Iowa's not in there. You know, obviously he's right there. He's from Tiffin, Iowa. Mm-hmm. I goes to Clear Creek and Manor, so... He could technically visit them pretty easily unofficially, uh, but there has been some some buzz that Iowa State, Nebraska, and Wisconsin have been kind of the front runners, and then those Western uh, schools out west, you know, Cal and Washington, will be in the mix through official visits. So it is interesting there, and uh, you know, Iowa State, it, it sounds like might have to really try to fend off 
you know, those two other Midwest schools, Nebraska and Wisconsin. Ken's got a new favorite cyclone. I know it already. <laughs> the Canadian. The Canadian. Tell yeah. us, tell us about him. Yeah, this is rare. You know, I think the last the Canadian I remember Iowa State recruiting, and they were in the early on him is uh, Juba Hubbard, uh, who obviously oh, went to Oklahoma State and has been a really good player. Iowa State tried to get him. They're they're going back to Canada now though, and actually getting a commitment from uh, Tristan. Uh, I think it's Michaud. It's M I C H A U D. Or Michaud, if he was in, if I mean, Michaud. I don't know if there's any French blood in him, but they yeah. would go by Michaud. Uh, regardless, anyways. That's probably right. He's actually an interesting case because he's originally from Quebec and uh, has moved uh, more towards the Toronto area yeah. to go to a prep school there. So he stayed in Canada to play prep football, and they actually come down to the United States and play their games uh, against different teams in the United States. And uh, a kid that's six foot five, um, I think 200 pounds already, and that kind of fits the mold of, you know, I talked to him yesterday, and he told me, you know, the Alan Lazard, Hakeem Butler type of body at least, and uh, pretty raw player just in terms of, you know, he's been playing football quite a while, but only the last two years in a prep school where he's playing higher competition um, but a kid that I think they've been really excited about. And they actually had all three of their top receiver targets in town this weekend with him. They get a commitment from him. Brody Brecht, who I mentioned before, from Ankeny, and then Jalen Noel, a slot receiver um, from Kansas City. So, you know, if they could get that, that trio, that would probably be their ideal receiver class, and they got one of those done this weekend uh, with uh, the Canadian. Uh, basketball in a second. Brody Brecht uh, in our backyard, Ankeny. So I, I thought he was leaning Iowa, and I know very little about recruiting, but whenever I uh, you know, see Brody Brecht, seems like the Hawkeyes, uh, he's very close. Uh, is Am I mistaken there? Is Iowa State got a legitimate chance to get Brecht? I think they have a legitimate chance because of what they can do uh, in terms of selling him on, you know, what they've done with receivers. He's really like that. You know, he's a six foot four guy, so he's another similar big bodied receiver that they're really selling him on what they've done with those players in the offense. I think the one thing that Iowa is going to potentially have too is, you know, and I asked him this, he's not sure he's for sure going to do football, but he's a really good baseball player, and so you know, can he try to do both of them? Iowa obviously can offer that. Uh, with Big Ten baseball, but he's actually really starting to kind of heat up a little bit as well. You know, Nebraska recently hosted him. Uh, there's quite a few Power Five schools that are interested in, interested in him, so uh, his recruitment's picking up. And you know, I guess just one quick note is that this 2021 recruiting class in the state of Iowa might be the best uh, we've ever seen. Wow. 2017 was pretty deep. There's now 19 players after Iowa State extended a couple on Friday. There's now 19 players in this 2021 class in Iowa who have Power Five offers mm-hmm. and. And so that's pretty deep. Uh, you know, this this class make it up to you know twenty kids with Power Five offers, and that's not something you really typically see in the state of Iowa. So Iowa, Iowa State, and even Nebraska and some of the other area schools uh, really have their pick of kids this year. I, I also saw kind of a connection with that. Both Minnesota and Wisconsin down this year for twenty twenty one in terms of prospects. So. We might be seeing some big boys sniffing around this state more than already. You know, we kind of usually do. You mentioned Nebraska's been in the state, seems like a whole lot more. We might see uh, some of those other powers either from the south, maybe Oklahoma, Texas starting to look up, or Michigan, Ohio State, those type of programs, just because of the sheer volume and some of the other states around us being down. Yeah, you're starting to see those those states, especially Nebraska, really come in. Nebraska's already got a commitment in the state in 2021, and Henry Lutovsky um, from Mount Pleasant, an offensive lineman. They've already secured his commitment. They've got some of the crystal balls for T.J. Bowlers. That one, like I said before, is pretty fluid right now, uh, but they're split with uh, Wisconsin and Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska's uh, after Stephen Malcolm, who was in town this weekend. It's you know probably Iowa State and uh, in Nebraska for him, him right now, but he's also got Minnesota and Kansas State. You're really seeing Kansas State come up in 2021. They've got, I think, seven offers out, you know, Minnesota. So it's going to be interesting. Minnesota, Nebraska, 
uh, and Kansas State, I think, really for sure. But you even start to look at 2022 and Mount Pleasant, I'm sorry, Southeast Polk uh, uh, defensive back, Xavier Nwanpaka, um, you know, he's uh, he's awesome. Was just in Is town. He? he was just in, yeah, he was just in town this weekend, and his dad was a sprinter at Iowa State. Uh, he's going into his junior year next year. He's a sophomore right now. He's wow. got Notre Dame, Jeez. Iowa State, Iowa, Nebraska, and uh, March 1st, he's going to Michigan. So <sighs> you're really starting to see a lot of talent in this area, and you're also seeing these kids get major interest from the likes of Notre Dame uh, and Michigan, not to mention, obviously, the schools we've talked about before in Wisconsin, Nebraska. It's, it's starting to look pretty talented in this area. How about that? Good news. Well, let's let's switch to basketball, I guess, from the good news to the to basketball. Um, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> you know, it just felt like Iowa State needed to win that basketball game. I, I feel bad for the team getting on the plane because the season's clearly starting to get away from them, and that was a winnable game. They seemingly had control for... You know, they got off to a slow start, but came back and took the lead. Uh, had the lead going into the locker room at, uh, after 20 minutes, extended it a little bit, and then just couldn't finish the job, Alex. Uh, as, as much as, you know, some of those losses hurt going before them, this one, for, uh, just because of, you know, it was a winnable game, uh, that one had to leave a mark. Yeah, it's, it's difficult for them, and I think that the two that you could really point to, regardless of, you know, we're not even talking about them trying to do something postseason-wise as much as just wins that they've needed for kind of the continued direction of, of this season and, and some confidence. And You look back at the TCU game, an open Big 12 play, that's a game they probably should have won. And, and Prohm said at the time, you know, that was a game he really wanted, not for himself, but just the players to, to kind of complete a game that they really played well most of that game. Then they, kind of the same thing Saturdays. You know, it, it was not a, the prettiest game at times, but like you said, they had a lot of opportunities to beat Texas. They had you know, a pretty good leads at a couple different different intervals, and then towards the end, uh, you know, Roger Bolton misses you know three little bunnies mm-hmm. right in the basket that potentially would have helped them win that game. And so, it's just kind of continuing to go down that road of you know they played five ranked teams in in January. They kind of needed to open February and get that win uh, because now they go back on the road Wednesday and play a top twenty five mm-hmm. team in West Virginia. And so it's just they're kind of in a tough spot right now, and you know they're kind of staring two and seven and in the face before they come back home Saturday against Kansas State, and uh, that would probably be a battle uh, between, you know, eight and nine, because Oklahoma State's kind of really fading. I don't think still think they're winless in Big 12 play, but, you know, Iowa State and Kansas State are kind of fighting for that eight and nine spot to try to see which one can maybe move up a little bit in the conference. We see Trey Jackson get his first career start, some changes in the lineup. Prentice Nixon went to the bench, but then Nixon played pretty well in his stretch and then was saddled back to the bench again. Just rotations in general. A, Trey Jackson get the start good for him as he continues to build on it, but the rotations as a whole, very difficult to get a read on what they're trying to do. Yeah, it was this time last week I was out with you guys, and we were talking about how Terrence Lewis had played well that Saturday, and was he going to start getting consistent minutes? And last week he played two minutes, and the only reason he played was because Trey Jackson had uh, three fouls with two minutes to go in the first half uh, last Wednesday. So, you know, even Tra- even Terrence Lewis, it's like we thought he was going to start to get consistent minutes, and then he plays two minutes in two games. And, you know, Trey Jackson, I think it made a lot of sense. You know, you saw him start three or three from beyond the arc. You know, when since, you know, Big 12 play started, I think he's he's in, in the 40s for, for sure and closer to 50% from three. You know, he's been a lot better, and obviously we've, we've talked about, you know, Prentice Nixon's struggles from three, although, you know, he comes off the bench, hits a wide-open three, and maybe that uh, that sparks him a little bit, but... You know, I think that's one thing going forward that fans probably want to see, and I think you've got to start to think about if you're Steve Prohm, is um, you've got to play a little bit for the future. You know, this season is going where it is, but, you know, Trey Jackson's shown glimpses. Start giving him some minutes. Start figuring out, you know, what you're going to do with, with that forward 
uh, position and, and get different guys some minutes. You know, we've seen Caleb Grill, you know, kind of see his minutes decline a little bit as he struggled to hit shots. But um, that's what I'm going to be interested in seeing going forward is, you know, does he start to kind of play around with Zion Griffin and Trey Jackson and, and kind of see what those guys can do, not just for the rest of this year, but try to give them some confidence moving forward. Uh, for 2020 and 2021. Yeah, what's he got to lose at this point, right? Uh, uh, I agree with you 100%. All right, Alex, so do you a favor because you're certainly very good to us. I know you've got a big special going on over at 24-7 Sports Cycle Alert. Less than 4 bucks a month. You're all over this recruiting. If you're a, a, a fan of recruiting, you do it as well as anybody over there. You work very hard at it, but it's more than that. 60% off right now. It's less than $4 a month. Uh, why should folks spend their money at 24-7 Sports Cycle alert alex halstead yeah yeah that deal will go through tonight it might extend a day or two after but you know right now you get a full year of cycling alert for 60 percent off and that actually if you sign up today i think it actually takes you now through the 2020 signing day both of them both december and next february so uh gets you really all the recruiting from there then uh i guess this is probably the best time to sign up you know we just talked a lot about you know recruiting in the first half i think yesterday i talked to eight different recruits who were in town there are 15 total so I still have some work to do to uh, catch up with another seven or so. But, you know, if you want to read about some of those guys, TJ Bowlers, um, and some of the big, big names that were in town, uh, there should be updates from them, you know, both yesterday and in this past weekend, but also in the coming days and in the coming weeks, because Iowa State's now got two commits in this 2021 recruiting class. But uh, this is really just a start for them. They've got a lot of top prospects who are going to visit in March and April and May. Uh, leading into those official visits in June. And I know in nine minutes you have a media opportunity with Coach Prom, so get in there. Thanks for doing what you do for us, Alex. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Alex Halstead, Cyclone Alert, 24-7 Sports. So I, I had no idea there was that many prospects in our yeah. state, Trent. You would know firsthand. You see a bunch of them. It's a huge, huge number. I think I see saw Blair Sanderson over at Hawkeye Report mention probably going to be up in the maybe even mid-20s, which would be the Jeez. highest ever. It is a huge year inside the state. There's the national-level prospects that we talked about. Mm-hmm. And certainly an interesting story there with uh, T.J. Bowler. Yeah. Mentioned all I wonder kinds what's of going on there. Very well could be. I mean, he's 10 minutes away from Iowa City, uh-huh. and he's, he can Just go there whenever do, he wants. He get and, out on his own. Yeah. I get that. Or, yeah, he's, he's been to Iowa City enough. He knows what it is. That's he doesn't true need too. to <laughs> use one of his five official visits uh-huh. because he knows everything about Iowa City. But yeah, there's always been some rumblings there that – Maybe it's not. It's certainly not the slam dunk that some people maybe would assume with the guy with that kind of lineage. Mm-hmm. But interesting one. Going to be a fun year in the state and a lot of top level prospects here in Iowa. No doubt about that. Well, if you're looking for college basketball tonight, if you're a fan <sighs> of college basketball and then you uh, bound what? and determined to find a game, what good happened luck. to Big Monday? Boy. Good luck. Well, maybe North Carolina can. I mean, Cole he, Anthony back. He's back, but they lost Today's over the Boston weekend at College. Home. Yeah. That's not good. No, it's not. Florida good. State is really talented. Mm-hmm. They are a fun team to watch. So that's the early window, and then there's a couple of Big Twelve teams. I mean, they're, but they're of awful. the two, I'm going to watch the Baylor at K State game. I'm going to watch that one because K State's coming up on Iowa State's schedule, and at least there's a chance there. Tex, that Texas team's not going into Lawrence and winning. No, Trent. I but K State no at home, at least something Iowa weird, could, something could happen. Maybe it's a home game. I guess that'd be the route. I do have a play tonight. Oh, you do? And this shows you just... Uh, my, my, you must be reaching deep. Well, it's so deep, I'm going to a different league. Okay. I'm going to the National Basketball Association. Really? My and your Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, no, you're not betting on them. They're on the road in Sacramento, who isn't very good themselves. Mm-hmm. Teals have lost 11 straight, though. I wonder if the sand is starting to run out of Ryan Saunders' hourglass. Uh, and I hope it's not, because yeah. I love the story. Right. They're only a two-point dog. 
Sacramento's favored by two at home against a T-Wolves team that comes in with 11 straight. Again, Sacramento's not very good themselves, mm-hmm. but two? So you've got some late-night viewing tonight? Is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, I'm going to be uh, hanging out with uh, the crew from Fox Sports North and watching that one and laying the two with the Sacramento Kings, my play of the night. Got to get that thing sponsored. Uh, we do. You know, I, I hope that um, the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission have found a I want to know how much money was bet in state on the Super Bowl and yes. all the props. Yes. Right? By the sounds of things, the properties cleaned up. Shouldn't come as a surprise. Cleaned up. When it when the number fell under, all of those Chiefs over parlays mm-hmm. went down in flames. Uh, by the sounds of things, the um, it was a banner year. Certainly in Nevada, and I'm assuming that if it's good for Nevada, it's probably that way throughout most of the country uh, as they kind of mirror whatever, what they do over there. So I'm, I'm still waiting for my congratulations. Well, I was saving it to the very end. Well, we're, we're getting there. We are. <laughs> no, look at it. It, was, it couldn't have turned out any better, right? Trent and I have a, a year-long, season-long contest, and we pick five games every week, and we start in college football in week number one mm-hmm. and go all the way through the to the Super Bowl, and it came down to the Super Bowl. Um, we were essentially tied. Whoever picked the winner of the Super Bowl was going to win our little contest, and Trent took the Chiefs. I was all over the Niners, and I loved my pick, and I thought I was home free. You looked that way. I thought it was a cinch. After the play is after the pass is overturned, Mahomes just stunk. And then, and then what an entertaining wasp. football game! Wasp happened. Well, Murph and Andy are going to happen today at two o'clock. Then the Fanatics will slide on in here at four. I'm assuming Iowa State Coaches Show comes your way tonight at 6.30. Uh, and then the morning rush will start things off tomorrow morning as they always do at 6. Miller and Condon with you 10 to noon, Monday through Friday. Thanks for being here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.